All God's people said, thank you, you can be seated. How true that is. Your Bible's open to Ephesians chapter 2. Thank you, Chris and Allison, thank you all. Ephesians chapter 2, and I'm going to be reading just the last few, uh, a couple of verses in Ephesians, towards the end of Ephesians chapter chapter 2. the reason I had Robbie read, I don't know if you caught on to that, uh, out of the book of Revelation, at the end of chapter 1, John, who's writing the book of Revelation, under you know, an, either Christ or an angel's talking to him, and John's pinning the Revelation, is that uh, this is somebody who lived with Jesus, walked with Him for three years, and when he sees the glorified Christ... In this, in this revelation, he sees the exalted Christ, though being familiar with Him, being with Him for three years in ministry on this earth, um, and even seeing Him transformed on the Mount of Transfiguration, which was a glorious experience. Uh, but when, when John saw Him as the glorified ascended Christ, he fell down as dead. Uh, I think that speaks to the glory that Christ has received now that He has ascended to the right hand of the Father. I always think about how flippant sometimes we, we talk about Jesus being our pal, our buddy. You know, Jesus is Lord. He's Master. And most often we're called slaves to Jesus. We're servants to one another, but we're slaves to Him. And what slave is going to tell their Master I'm not going to do what you command. That's why Jesus says, if you love me, you'll do what I command. So the revelation, that first church, the first church that Jesus reveals Himself to, and the revelation is to the churches. It's not to the lost world. The prophecies in the book of Revelation are for the church. So the first church Jesus speaks to is the church at Ephesus, and we happen to be in the book of Ephesians. That's why I wanted, I wanted Robbie to read that. But before I read the passage this morning, you know, when he talks about, when I was raised, I did the memory verse in the King James, uh, New King James, you have left your first love, is how it reads in the New King James. You have left your first love. And uh, the ESV reads a little bit different. Uh, I think you, the love you had at first. But he mentions the consequence. And I think about myself. This is where you can make the application. Now, I, I, can't, I can't define exactly what the first love is. Okay? I can't, but I can tell you the, the symptoms of when you have lost your first love like you should or you're not loving as much as you did as you did at first. Because he says, works. Your works demonstrate. Do the works you did at first. So obviously, whatever that means, the works, you know, we think about the Bible, we don't work for our salvation. You know that. We're not earning anything. It's grace. But we're working because we're obeying the Lord Jesus. We do His work as the body of Christ. By the way, this morning, not only is He going to talk about us being the body, He's going to talk about us being uh, the bride. Am I not on? 
Okay. As a kid around on Wednesday nights, can you see me? I want to make sure you see me. I'm, I'm, okay. Um, so, so the book of Revel. I mean, so the book of Revelation, the angel or messenger. The word angel it means messenger or stars. He mentions stars as a, as a synonym of a messenger. Uh, so there's a message to the church in, in Ephesus. So when we study the book of Ephesians, the same place. But something else just to think about is First and Second Timothy are written obviously from Paul to Timothy as a pastor, but that's where pa- Timothy was pastoring, was in the uh, city of Ephesus. So there's a lot of things. Uh, if you study a little history, you find out that even the Apostle John pastored in Ephesus for a period of time. So it was a church rich, rich in, in leadership. Let me ask you a question. When I, when I think about what Revelation 2 says, you know, the works you did at first, and I'm thinking the works you did at first were, would apply to when you first got saved. That's how I take it. Are you doing the works you did at first? Are you doing them with the same fervor, the same conviction, the same regularity that you did when you first got saved? And, I mean, I'm not speaking for you, I'm speaking for myself. Um, It's a little joke we say sometimes, but I think, you know, after I got saved, I I would have attacked hell with a squirt gun. But the older I get, sometimes you lose that fervor. Am I right? So at least just the Scripture reading ought to remind us that there is a chance that all of us can become somewhat apathetic. Ephesians chapter 2, and I'm going to read verses 18 through 22. And I think in your bulletin, uh, I didn't bring mine up here, I talk about citizenship. There's just so many things that Paul mentions about in making an application about who who we are in the church. And uh, let me read it. We'll come back to it in a minute. Uh, I want to read this and then share some thoughts with you. It says, for, for through Him, and He's been talking about the Jews and Gentiles, you know, how the Gentiles have been brought into the kingdom, and, um, and they're, they're one, you know, whether, no matter what your ethnicity is, ethnos, not race, but ethnos, uh, race, there's one race, uh, Whoever you are and wherever you're from in the text and, and, and the reality now as believers, you're one. Here it's Gentiles and Jews. And so Paul's arguing, you know, so he's talking about God making them one. So he says in verse 18, For through Him uh, we both have access. That word access is, is uh, it's the root word for platform. But the full word has the idea of a man, uh, uh, a representative of the king, 
who carries people into the platform that, that you're now presented to the king. So it's access to the king is the word. So, so we have access because of what Christ has done. For through Him we both have access in one spirit to the Father. So, so we're, we're children and we now have, we have a presence with our Father, if you want to say. Jesus said that when you pray, pray like this. Matthew 6. How do we pray? Our Father who art in heaven. That's King James. <laughs> our Father in heaven. So He's our Father. We're His children. We've been adopted into the family. Now Paul's going to tell us some deep truths about who we are in Christ. And this relationship we have with Christ and the relationship we have with one another and the responsibilities we have to serve the King in the world that we're left in. So then, verse 19, making a conclusion. So then, you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens Fellow citizens. Uh, it's our English word politician, politics. Uh, you know, it's what concerns us, what we're concerned about as a group gathered. Fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God fellow citizens with the saints, and members of the household of God. Interesting. You have a country, citizens, or a nation, or a group of people, a city. We're citizens, and we're part of a household. Interesting. The household would be, citizenship would be a lot more public. Having to take a stand Household, much more intimate. But those of us that are saved, we, we're living out both of those. We, we are out as citizens and we face a, another... We, you know, we're in the world, but not of the world, and, but yet we're part of a household where we have, we have an intimate relationship with our brothers and sisters in Christ. I love the picture there. So we're no longer strangers and aliens, but your fellow citizen with the saints and members of the household of God built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets Jesus Christ him or Christ Jesus himself that's very emphatic in the language Christ Jesus he himself is how it reads being the cornerstone so so foundation here Paul saying are the apostles and prophets Scripture, wrote Scripture. So in Christ is the cornerstone of the foundation. In whom, being Christ, in whom the whole structure, now he's going to talk about not just citizens, not just a family, but now a building. Now he's kind of giving us a little picture of how important you are to the work of the King when you're obedient. What God's going to do with you when you actually believe the Bible, submit to the Lordship of Christ, and serve the local church. He's going to tell you, it's kind of a word picture. He says, um, 
So you're built, so he says, citizens of saints, members of the house of God, uh, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone, in whom the whole structure being joined together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In Him, you also are being built together. That's present tense. That's interesting to me because this was written almost 2,000 years ago, but it's in present tense. Every, every Christian in every church, that's a biblical church, are being built together. And remember when we read the Revelation? You remember when the seven lampstands are the churches? And where does Jesus have them? God in His hand. You read the first part of Revelation, He's walking in the midst of the churches. But He holds them. So, for 2,000 years, Jesus is, has been Lord of the church. Every church. He's been Lord of every believer. Folks, Jesus loves the church. You know what the Bible says about Christ? Of course, we know Jesus said Himself in Matthew 16. I, uh, Matthew 16, 18. I will build... My church. He owns it. And then Paul reminds us when he's talking to the Ephesian elders, by the way. He's talking to the elders and deacons from this very church. In the book of Acts, he's met them out on the coast. Acts 20, 28. He reminds the elders and deacons of this church that Jesus bought the church with His own blood. That's what he tells them. He says you need to protect the church of God that He purchased with His own blood. Folks, the church is extremely important to the Lord Jesus Christ. And we demonstrate our submission to that when we are being built together. Look what He says. In Him you also are being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. Now, I'm going to come back to that in just a second. For the sake of time, I just want to read a couple of things to you. Some of these are articles I have written in the past, but I just want you to listen. It won't take me long. The space shuttle and the space station, if you ever watch the promotional highlights, they often include uh, the astronauts in weightless situations. I'm sure you've seen video clips of the astronauts floating about displaying liberating freedom of weightlessness. And it's an excellent reminder of the force of gravity that keeps mankind grounded. In much the same way, the church of the 21st century often promotes a weightlessness when it comes to church membership. And what I mean by that is you just float around and you don't make a commitment to a local church, or you're, if you're in the church as a member, you just don't do much, your membership is weightless. 
Just float around. So in much the same way the church of the 21st century often promotes a weightlessness when it comes to the meaning of church membership, without the application of sound biblical teaching to ground believers, church membership often becomes a meaningless display of individualism or doctrinal weightlessness. It only makes sense then for us to take the time and revisit God's Word to refresh our understanding about God's blueprint of the church. This is the cover letter when I used to do a church membership class. This is the letter they would get in the mail, or many of you got in the mail years ago, when I would do four Sundays where I would do what it means to be a member of the church. All new members had to, had to go through this. But there is a weightlessness about the church. Uh, I wrote under this, it says, The church was designed by an eternal, all-powerful God. Therefore, we believe that He intends to equip and empower His body, or His family, or His building, whichever metaphor you want to use, He's going to empower that to do His will. And I have no doubt about that. And folks, it's a privilege for Him to use us. That's, we're slaves, we're servants in His kingdom, and it's an honor for Him to use us. We don't look at it like that. And here's just some statements uh, I wrote down that just have to do with this, this doctrine about the church. You know, there, and it's more metaphors than just these. You could use the, a shepherd and his sheep, that, a vine and its branches. I mean, there's ter- several more metaphors in the New Testament. But here Paul's mentioning, you know, we might use the three, a family, a body, and a building. I mean, we, we can see that. So it says, in that the church is fully and completely owned by God, having been purchased by the precious blood of Christ. Therefore, as His bride, the church, we should long for the word spoken by the bridegroom. So we want to know what the bride, as the bride, we want to know the message of the bridegroom. It's, you could use, people use these illustrations all the time about if, you know, if you're in love with somebody and they send you a letter, would you not want to read the letter from a love, somebody you loved? And then they say, well, that's who Christ is. Don't we love Him enough to read and study and obey what He has said in His Word? Every local church serves as an embassy of truth. And what I want you to think about is... I'm, I'm sorry, I'm... Uh, I'm having a bad neck day, I'm sorry. Think about being, if in fact, and it's true, that that the church has been laid, the foundation are the apostles and prophets. So if if we're going to be a faithful church, we're going to teach and preach the message of the apostles and prophets. So, I wrote down, it says, every local church serves as an embassy of truth. And and the message we have is not going to be any different than the message of the apostles and prophets. It's not going to be any different than the book of Acts. What the book of Acts, what those guys preached is what we ought to be preaching. No different. They've set a model that here's the message of, of... of the apostles and they laid the foundation so we need to be doing the same thing and 
And so we're like an embassy of truth telling the world the truth about life and death and telling them the good news of the Lord Jesus Christ. Since the church, in the word church, is called out, is literally it means the called out ones. So it, since the church is, call, is God's called out assembly, so our church is a called out group of people. Our, when we meet as a church, we're a called out assembly. It means we're called out of the world. Okay, We're different. We've been even when Jesus saved us, the Bible says He called us unto Himself. So we're called out of the world, and and now we're strangers and foreigners to the world. We used to be strangers and foreigners to God's kingdom, but now we're strangers and foreigners to the world. It just changed everything. But since the church is God's called out assembly, us pursuing our own ambitions or or pursuing individualism. Is not biblical. It's just something we don't want because it's Christ's church. It's His body. It's His building. So we want to obey Him. He designed the church. Therefore, we trust that He will equip and empower us to carry out His will. And the Bible tells us that, how it happens. And part of what we're reading this morning does that. It's His church. Is He not going to equip us and empower us to be the church. I think of the Scripture um, in 2 Peter. Now think about this. This is what Peter says about believers. Resist the devil. You know, trust in the Lord, resist the devil, and he'll flee from you. Many of us don't do that. We don't trust in God's truth and we don't resist Him. But we should because we love the Lord Jesus and we care about His church. It's His church. We represent Him. I was reading uh, Wednesday night. We were in here and, and we were in uh, Acts 5. And uh, you know the church was a young church. We are reading the book of Acts. I mean, we are using Acts. And... It's the event of Ananias and Sapphira. If you read it, I'll, I'll make it quick. But that's where Ananias and Sapphira pretended to do something they really weren't doing. And God judged them. And if you'll remember how God judged Ananias and Sapphira, what did He do to them? He killed them okay, on the spot because of such blatant hypocrisy that would spread. And it did spread through the community because Peter already knew and confronted them. But the point would be, God brought judgment on the church. And, and that caused the church to be much more righteous. What it says. And it would logically be. And aren't you glad God doesn't judge hypocrisy like that today? We all would be dead. But when you read that, and, and then you find there, it says that it says outsiders, would, people outside the church. Now, saved people, but outside that. Unsaved people. It says, outsiders would not come near for they observed the holiness of God's people and they observed the righteousness of God. And they, they were not going to get close to that group of people. But they noted that these people were different. And I think about the world that we're in. I mean, every day, there's people around us at work, at play, in grocery stores, next door neighbors today... Um, 
do they see us as different? Uh, who guarantees the victory for me and you? Christ does. Um, Robbie read part of that. It says, He who overcomes. Uh, every church, Jesus says this to, and I'm back to Revelation 2 and 3. He says, and he who overcomes, he says that to every church. And it is the word for victory. It's the word Nike. He who overcomes. And of course, we know what John says in 1 John. We overcome. What, we're overcomers because we believe in Jesus. So we are going to overcome. Then he says, I will grant to do this. I will grant to do that. We're, the Bible says we're overcomers. He guarantees our victory in Christ. Then I wrote down, why do we knowingly treat His church like some pious civic organization? I wrote down, because my dad was a member of these, the VFW and the Lions Club. Why do we believe or treat the church like it's one of these social or civic clubs? It's just a religious civic club. That's how we treat it. The reason we... I say that is because we, we decide we're not going to come and we just don't come. We have to beg believers to come to church. Is this you? Let me read you a verse. Is this you? How you have turned from idols to serve the living and true God? Is that you? You've turned from idols to serve the living and true God and to wait for His Son from heaven, who is Jesus. Does that describe you? You've forsaken the idols of this world and you're living, waiting on Jesus to come back. 1 Thessalonians 1, 9 and 10. All, <clears throat> the last little statement I wrote, it says, Dear fellow believer, all who have been saved by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone, we're family. I'm here, and you're here to share your gifts and your life with the rest of us. That's one of the meanings of being part of the body. You, we do not attend church. We are the church. And sometimes when we use the word church, we, we just think of the brick and mortar. We think of the facilities. And that's really not the church. And this is where the church gathers. That's what the Puritans, they called it the meeting house. You're the church. I'm the church. We are the church. Corporately and individually, we represent the Lord Jesus he even uses the idea of being a temple. Now, go back to Ephesians 2. And I just want to mention 16 things. I'm just kidding, Walter. Cynthia's listening. 16 things. I'd have a heart attack. Um, it really is an interesting thing that the Apostle Paul does here. Um, just want you to walk through. The, I'm going to walk through the text with you one more time and Mention a couple of things I didn't mention before. But number one, I broke it down into four things and I'll be brief. Talks about, verse 18 is about reservation. Okay? 
Verse 19 is about our identification. Verse 20 is about our application of, of being in the body. And, 20 and uh, 21 and 22 is about demonstration. But let's look at reservation. Let me go back to verse 18. So this access. So let me just ask, how in the world do you get to heaven? Is it through any merit of your own? No. We just got through the last week we dealt with uh, verses 8 and 9 of the same chapter, chapter 2. For by grace you have been saved, verse 8, through faith, and this is not of your own doing, it is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one can boast. Synonymous, so salvation is by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. That's the only means of salvation is Christ. That's where the doctrine of justification by faith comes from. And if you, if you don't believe that, then you have to remove the book of Galatians and, and parts, parts of the book of Romans. We're saved by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. So it's not about works. It's about the grace of Christ. Now, it becomes works when you're saved. Because as you know, the book of Philippians says, Work out your own salvation in fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you both to will and to do for His good pleasure. But we have access. The access that we have is, or we have this reservation by Christ. But look what He says. For through Him, we both, and of course there He's talking about Gentiles or Jews, it doesn't matter. You're saved the same way. Um, We both have access in one Spirit to the Father. And and again, I'm not going to go deep into that, but it is, this work is, I mean, we've mentioned the Trinity in the last couple of verses. He mentions all three persons of the Godhead, the Father, the Son, and the work of the Holy Spirit that have each a part of bringing sinners into the kingdom. Um, we know that even for lost people, uh, the Spirit, if the Spirit's going to convict somebody unto salvation. I mean, the Bible, even Jesus said, sometimes the Spirit convicts people of sin, but the Spirit doesn't necessarily call them to be saved at the same time. Sometimes He does both. Jesus talked about that. But, but the, it's the Spirit... And I think about what, I used this in my class a while ago. In, in Ephesians 6, he tells the, the sword of the Spirit. You know, she's talking about the armor and the soldier wears the breastplate, the helmet, shot his feet and all that. But he says, and take the sword of the Spirit. And the sword of the Spirit is what? The word of... So when we teach and preach God's Word, folks, this is why when you and I are, let's say we're, we're struggling with our own transgressions. You know, we not just sin. Sin is, you know, we accidentally miss the mark, or we're not because we're a sinner. And we just, but transgressions are we just violating? We know what God's truth is, and we just choose not to do it. And so, the, you know, when when if God does do that, and He does it, He takes the word, the Spirit takes the word, and He cuts. That's what He means in Hebrews four twelve. The word of God is living and active. And sharper than two-edged sword. 
So if I'm saved, but I'm not living right, what's the one thing I want, I'm going to stay away from? The Word. I won't be in worship, or if I'm in worship, I won't pay attention. I won't read the Bible. I won't study the Bible. I'll, I just don't want it because immediately, because I'm guilty. That's why the Bible calls it conviction. Conviction. As in, you're convicted. You're condemned. Except that we're not condemned to hell because of Christ. But so number one, it's about reservation. We're there. We're, he's going to tell us we're there already because of what Christ has done. Then he talks about identifying. Who are we? So we're reserved, but who are we with? Look what it says. For through Him we both have access to one Spirit, to the Father. So then, so He's going to tell us who we are. You are no longer strangers and aliens. Now He's talking about being strangers and aliens to the kingdom. Okay? At the context, you're strange. At one time, before you got saved, the things of God didn't make sense. And these two words indicate that. Um, one of the words is literally is outside the house. Um, so... You're just not comfortable. It's not your house. You're not, it's not your people. It's not your family. It's just So at one time you were outside looking in to God's work and it just was not familiar with you. And, and you can remember, I can remember even though it was 46 years ago, hearing the gospel, I wasn't saved, but hearing the truth and not all of it made sense. But the part that I needed to know to be saved, guess what the Spirit did? It took that word... And it, it just cut my heart both ways. And because it's living, I could leave the church, but that word didn't stop, did it? It just kept working. And then it decided one day was going to be the day of my salvation. So, so, so it's telling us not only about how God... But who we are. So we're no longer, says strangers and aliens. Uh, by the way, the root word for stranger is... Is the word for is the, the word hotel? Uh, it's a long story. I can't go into all the history, but one the root word for hotel uh, is is in this word for so. It's like you you're staying in somewhere you're not familiar with it. One word you're outside the house. The other one, I've stayed in a lot of nice hotels. You have too. Uh, some not so nice, but uh, but it's not home, right? You, and so that's the idea. So you're strange. It's not the, so, our, so we're no longer strangers and aliens. But now he says, but you are fellow citizens. You know, we'll sit around and talk about politics or Auburn and Alabama. Well, I don't talk much about Auburn football, but um, talk about Alabama and how the refs stole the game from them. That comes as an Auburn fan, you know. But so, so fellow citizens, we talk about what we care about. So we're, we're fellow citizens of a nation, of a people, with the saints, oh, saints, the holy ones. I like that, and members of the household of God. So we have an intimacy. We so that's who we, that identifies us. So we God gives us the reservation through Christ. Now we have an identification. We're, we're fellow citizens and we're part of God's household. Which again is a play on words of what he just got through talking about strangers and aliens. Now we're at home in Christ. So we have our reservation. We have our identification. Then he says in verse 20 how it's applied. Application. So this new life 
that we have, what are we going to do with it? Well, he tells us what the Bible says about what are you supposed to do with this new life you have. In, now that you're in the house and you're in the, the family, you're in the nation, you're a citizen, you're a part of the household, what are you going to do? You're going to build on what? The foundation of the apostles and prophets. Christ Jesus being the cornerstone. That's what you're going to do. And this is God's Word. And we believe this. We, we believe God's Word. Now, there's a difference between knowing God's Word, you know, being a hearer of God's Word. And I've met a lot of people that knew stuff about the Bible, but Jesus wasn't the cornerstone, right? So you can, you can get a bunch of information out of it. You can be saved and learn a lot of Bible stuff. But if Jesus isn't Lord, you're not making the application like you should. It just becomes information. Now, it's information that the Spirit can use to convict you, but here He's saying, this is how it's supposed to work. How are you going to, how are you going to be a good citizen? How are, you going to be a, how are you going to be a good member of the household? Well, this is how you apply yourself. You, you know God's Word. You be a student of God's Word. The apostles, the words of the, the, the foundation built on that. And if you don't build on a foundation, it's catastrophic. And I've watched people do that. They build on experience or they build on relationships and not on Christ. They build on something else and then they get mad over the, the color of your carpet or somebody sits in their seat and they get mad and leave the church. That, that's kind of silly. I mean, nobody's ever done that. But they've come close. So, but see what I'm saying? You, you, lose, you lose who you are if you're not building on... It's not about you, is it? No. The reason God saved you is to help the church grow. That's what He says. He keeps using this word... We use the word edify. But often it's the word to build. You are here. God's going to use your gifts to help build up the body or to make the family more intimate, closer, to do more. So, so this is the app. You take God's Word. Now, then He, then he gives us a demonstration. Now, I'm out of, I'm out of time. Do, do realize that I, I'm, you know, I mean, I'm staying less than an hour. Right? My preaching, not, not, you know what I'm saying? So, so not, you don't have to tell me to finish on time, because you may tell you who does it every Sunday. That's right. She says if I'd ever keep the preschoolers, I would never go over time. So, so anyway, look, look quickly. Look at the demonstration. Look what he says. So we have reservation, how we get there. We have identification, who we are. We have application, okay, on the Word. And then we have demonstration. He says in 20 and, 21 and 22, I want you to look at your Bible. It's going to give you a little word. Built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus Himself being the cornerstone, in whom, Christ, the whole structure being joined together grows. Now, I'll just stop with this illustration, this word, what the word means. Being joined together. You can do your word study if you want to. It's four Greek words crammed together. Paul did that all the time. It's four individual Greek words crammed together to make a word. It appears two times in the Greek New Testament. 
both by Paul in the book of Ephesians. The root words go all the way back to a stonemason. So when a man laid stone, this is what he did. He was fitting them. The stones aren't the same size. And they're everywhere all over that part of the world. Stone structures everywhere. So, so we're being joined together. You can read 1 Peter 2. Peter calls us living stones, right? Christ, again, the cornerstone. But we are live. He says, 1 Peter 2, like living stones, fitted. So every one of us, we're thinking about, is we're all, God saves us, now we're a living stone. And now we're talking about not physical, but spiritual, but thinking physical as an illustration. He takes the stones and He places them in a local church. And that church grows. That's what it says. Joined together grows into a what? Holy temple. Now that word holy is interesting because it's, it's, it's the Greek word for the idea of a holy of holies, the holy place. But this happens. So a church is to grow unto holiness through individual members submitting themselves to the Lordship of Christ and obeying His Word. This is how the church grows. And when you do that, when you, when you obey His Word and Jesus is Lord, right? You serve the church. And guess what happens in the church? It may not grow numerically all the time, but you know what it's doing? It's growing. It's growing. The nation, the citizenship is growing and getting stronger. Our politics, spiritually speaking, are getting stronger. And the household becomes more intimate. So, in Ephesians 2, towards the end of the chapter, Paul talks about our reservation, our identification, our application, and our demonstration. Grows into a holy temple in the Lord. Being built together into a dwelling place of God by the Spirit. A place where God dwells. So now we find that the Spirit of God dwells here, but before it dwells here, it has to start dwelling here. And the more it dwells here, the more we see it here. Folks, we are the church. We are the body of Christ. Amen? Let's stand for prayer. Thank you so much. Remember the words of Paul to the Corinthians, strive, uh, excel, you know, excel in striving to build up the church. That's, that's our goal. It's a spiritual decision. Let's pray. Father, we love You and thank You for Your grace and mercy. Thank You for the work of the church. Father, thank You for church membership. Thank You for the building up of the body of Christ. Thank You that You've gifted us specifically to serve Your body. Above all, thank You for Christ Jesus that has set us free from sin and death. Father, help us to be submissive to Your will. We pray it in Christ's name. Amen. Thank you all so much for being here.